This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 185, recorded Wednesday, November 5th, 2014. Very good. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We are here to do our feedback show, our listener feedback show for Season 5, Episode 4, called Slab Town, or as some people think it should have been called, Slap Town. Or Slab City. Slab City, that's right. That's in there, too. Slabville. That would have been okay. Slabton. Uh, Slabton, maybe the Hamlet of Slab. Yeah, and Slab, Slabvershire. Oh, Slabvershire, I like that one. <laughs> so uh, lots of potential names for this episode or this location. Slabtown is a real area in Atlanta, though. Um, I did find out. I don't recall any of the details right now because I didn't mean to talk about this, but it is a real place. That's real awesome. Real, real awesome. All right, well, we're not going to screw around this week because we have a lot of feedback. And in fact, there is a fair bit of longer format feedback this week. And, you know, I usually like to try and keep the episode moving along at a pretty good clip. You're here to slow it down and, and keep keep us going yeah. on to tangents, but I try to keep it moving. Um, but this week, uh, you know, I decided I'm going to include all this long feedback because this was a pretty um, polarizing episode. Let's put it that way. Okay, let's do it. A lot of people liked it. Some people hated it. um, And there wasn't too many people right down the middle. So, uh, all right, like you said, let's do it. Stop talking. Let's do this thing. Listener feedback. All righty. So we'll dive right in. Our first one is an email from Lauren in Massachusetts. And Lauren says, I just wanted to say that I am not happy with uh, that the show is returning to the format that it was for the last half of season four. I do not like that our characters keep separating and that we are only updated on the status of a certain group each week. One of my favorite parts of the show is the group interacting with one another, but now it seems that they separate, interact with an outside source that ends up eventually dead, and then reunite together at the end of the season. That's true. Are you feeling that? Do you think that's that's a bummer? Would you rather they stay together for a while? I, I kind of would rather they stayed together for a while. The second half of season four did have everybody separated all over uh, Hell's Half Acre, and uh, they finally got together, and I was like, yeah, all right, they're back together. They're going to take on this uh, Terminus group, and then they did, but now they're all split apart again all over Hell's Half Acre. You know, I have a theory on this. Okay. And that is that it is easier to write for a show with lesser, less characters, fewer characters, I should say. And, you know, this cast is large. This is a big group of people when you, when you factor them all in. And I think, it's, I think it's actually more complicated to give everyone their due if you have one story that involves all of these people. And so I think the urge is for the producers or the showrunner to split them up into little groups and deal with one individually. Because when you think about it, you assign writers to an episode, right? And that, that happens way you know, way down the, earlier in the, in the production schedule. And if you say you got to write for 16 characters and it's an episode that's episode seven in, into the season. So you have to factor in everything that's happened up until that point. Um, 
and and not screw anything up and keep the continuity right and so on. That sounds like it's more difficult to do than saying this episode you're going to write deals with these four characters and they're on the road, they're separated because of this, this, and this, and you just got to focus on this. I feel like that might be easier to handle. It is, but these are these are professionals, right? They can do it. They can suck it up and write for 14 characters. Look at Lost. I mean, during the last couple of seasons of Lost, there was like 30 characters. They can do it. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it, it may be perceived as easier and therefore a little bit tempting. Like maybe they're not even doing this on purpose, right? But it does feel like every chance they get, they're separating these characters apart so that, uh, well, maybe not so, but to you know with the intention of making it a little bit easier to deal with all of them yeah i just think i think if that's true and they are doing it for that reason it's cheap and they should get off their uh, lazy asses and uh, write the show proper (laughs) hey i agree with you there um and you're right these are professionals they should be able to to handle things and, and hopefully they can all right so next we have a call from sam in decatur georgia that's right hey there jason and chris this is sam from decatur georgia with a bit of feedback from the Slab Town episode, um, I, I really don't think that this episode got anywhere near worst episode ever territory. Um, there are some pretty bad episodes uh, that, that didn't have near the amount of tension that this episode did in some points. Um, perhaps because I am from the metro Atlanta area, and I currently live and work in the city of Atlanta. It was just fun to me, and it had my attention throughout the entire episode that the the show was again taking place in the city of Atlanta. And just the the familiarity factor had me locked where it might have you know put you guys to bed at certain points. But um, I really thought that this was a pretty good episode. The introduction of new characters and new surroundings is a welcome one. And I think it's easy to forget how long this damn group was at that prison. Um, And so to have a slow episode like this, I think you have to have negative space in order to build the tension that they're obviously going to need to get back to. They can't, you know, they can't be eating people, cutting people's legs off, you know, every episode. They have to have the ability to step back and establish a new storyline. So, um, Jason, go ahead and watch the episode again if you haven't already. Um, and it might answer some of the questions. Because, uh, you know, there was stuff in the episode that was pissing me off, like continuity and like, what the hell did she just say? Yeah, so, like, this this episode definitely had its problems, but uh, it had my interest for the entire time it was on. All right, love the podcast, guys. Take care. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Jason? He, well, he challenged you thoughts. to watch it again. Yeah, I'm not going to do that, but uh, <laughs> I, I have two thoughts on that. One is, uh, what do you think the ratio of cops to non-cops in that episode was? Because I counted four non-cops and at least six cops. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's about. I mean, not equal, but it's pretty even. Well, yeah. I just I think that the the uh, if any given society has more police officers than civilians, then uh, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I think maybe there's a bunch of people somewhere. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, uh, there might've been six. Uh, I think I saw one or two extra people in the cafeteria, but I'm not really sure. Uh, so there's a group of people in there somewhere that, uh, didn't appear on screen, but it's just, it seemed a proportionally large, disproportionately large number of police officers to, uh, to civilians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thought I had was every once in a while, I'll get it into my head to go back and watch Police Academy because it's filmed in Toronto. It was filmed in Toronto. And it's a horrible movie. I don't know if you know that, Chris. Have you seen Police Academy recently? I have, and I'm not sure I agree with that statement. Which one? The filmed in Toronto or a horrible movie? Horrible movie. It is a fact that it was filmed in Toronto. It's a bad movie, Chris. Are, is Short Circuit a bad movie? <sighs> Because those movies go hand in hand in my mind. I don't know. Uh, Steve Gutenberg is not in short circuit. Uh, yeah, but Steve Gutenberg, <laughs> while he may be able to kill a movie single-handedly, I don't think he did with <laughs> Police Academy. There was enough actors around him that made it really good. Uh, yeah, go back and watch it. It's not good. But it's uh, it's it's filmed in Toronto, and that's interesting to see every now and again. And it's interesting to see that, uh, you know, when stuff is filmed in Toronto. So, you know, I, I think maybe uh, you are you know, colored a little bit. Uh, the fact that it's been, it was filmed in Atlanta and it was interesting to see it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I'll go back and watch it anytime soon. Well, take that, Sam. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you mean, though. It's, it's fun to see your hometown on film. Um, the most prominent use of our city of Toronto that I can think of is um, some of the... Uh, Oh my God! What are they called? Resident Evil movies. Yeah, in, in Raccoon City, Toronto Raccoon is a stand-in for Raccoon City, and they don't really hide the fact that it's Toronto either. Usually, movies are shot here, and it's supposed to be New York or something like that. Um, Raccoon City really is Toronto, it seems like. And in one of them, I forget which it is. There's one where the whole climax of the movie takes place right in front of our city hall building, and in fact, Mila Jovovich rappels down City Hall, which I think is kind right. of cool. I actually rode my bike through one of their sets one time. I forget which movie again it was, but there was a big wall. Like they put up a wall around Raccoon City. Yep. And uh, there was uh, a scene that took place on the one side of a bridge where the wall was. Mm -hmm. That was the Danforth Bridge. And I, I rode my bike right through that set while they were, uh, I guess, between takes. I'm not sure exactly what was going on, but it was it was at night. And there was hundreds of people and a big fake wall yep. and all kinds of stuff. I know, th I know the scene. That's, that's, uh, that's fun. So... Anyways, thank you for the call, Sam. Our next one, our next is an email that comes from Chris in the UK. Now, this is long. Just like that call from Sam was over two minutes. I said we got some longer feedback this time, and we're cramming it all in. So Chris in the UK has three points here. I'll go through them all. He starts with, it's all about opinion, but for what it's worth, I like that this show can slow down from time to time. In this case, it was light on plot, but that isn't a problem for me. This one was about mood and tone rather than action, and you need that to provide relief from the 100-mile-per-hour speed of the season so far. There are plenty of people who think the first three episodes moved too quickly. Right. Chris goes on, I do think Jason needs to chill out a bit. <laughs> Probably true. Haven't the makers earned some patience from us? Are we really going with, you're only as good as your last episode? I know Jason didn't say those exact words. Listening to the holy craps, I see you're not alone. I, for one, am pleased that the makers have the rest of us in mind when they make their show. And Emily can't act from a listener, not Jason, is not fair. Not the best actor they have, 
but that's more because of the quality that surrounds her. She's fine and did all there was to do with what she had. And finally, make up your minds. You can't complain about tropes on one hand and then pull the whole Chekhov's gun thing. Pick a side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that one has a, a neat name that you know kind of is related to uh, Star Trek. Chekhov's gun? There, there was a Chekhov in Star Trek. so Right. Um, do you think you need to chill out a bit? I think you're a pretty easygoing guy most of the time. Most of the time I'm pretty easygoing, and, and I do like uh, a nice, you know, moody episode every now and again, but there's there's a big difference between lots of action and, uh, you know, some you can have action with plot, and you can have no action with plot, and I like no action with plot, but this was no action with no plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, very little plot and very little action. So I, I, that's why I felt like nothing happened, not because I don't like mood, and I'm not looking for... Uh, I'm, I'm not looking for all action all the time because I actually don't want that. I, not all the time. I want interesting stuff going on and interesting interactions between characters. And I just feel like I didn't get that this episode. Sure. My opinion on it is um, is somewhere in between, I think, you and Chris in the UK. I don't think this, this, this episode was a little bit light on story and light on plot, especially plot that sort of moved anything ahead. Um, but that's because it did, it was a bottle episode that focused on really one of our characters and what she's been going through. I do think there was interesting stuff in there. It's just, there wasn't for me quite enough to fill a full hour long episode. They could have done what they did here, um, you know, in a shorter amount of time and maybe dropped in some other stuff to, uh, to fill it out a little bit. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be action. It doesn't have to be exciting big set pieces or anything. It could have been it could have been Daryl and Carol chasing that car. It could have been them walking through the forest on the way, you know, following someone. Um, it could have been any anything really. Uh, or, so or even some character development. Like what did we learn about Beth in this episode? Well, I think some more feedback's gonna get into that, but I think we did learn some things about Beth that she's stepped up a little bit. She's uh, she's manned up since she was, you know, uh, uh, on suicide watch at the farm. I mean, we learned some things about Beth. You can't say that she hasn't changed at all. No, it's just a question. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I didn't actually fall on either side of the fence there. I'm just wondering if we learned anything about Beth. I mean, yes, she has come a long way in, uh, since the, since the farm, but in this episode, what was the character development? Well, I mean, in this episode, it was the it was the outcome of her character development, right? We we didn't really see all of Beth's development over the last three seasons until no. now. This is the result of it, which is valid, I think. Yeah. You know. All right. Next, we have an email from Katie in the UK. Firstly, going to say that I agree with Chris and that this episode was quite confusing throughout. There were parts where I was asking myself, "Who is this? What's going on?" I even had to rewind the TV so I could listen to a conversation again so that I would uh, have a better understanding of what's going on. This episode wasn't all bad, though. Uh, I might be in the minority here, but I think some scenes in this episode was some of Emily Kinney's best work on the show. Yeah, and I think I said on Monday that she was... uh, (laughs) I think I actually said she was average, but she did do some good work here. Uh, Emily has not been given an immense opportunity to really strut her stuff on this show until this episode. And I yeah. think she just barely held it together. She was she was good, not great, but she wasn't bad anyway. Right. Um, 
now, speaking about the about the sort of confusing nature of this episode, one of the things we didn't get last week, or I mean last time, was sort of what was going on with Joan and how she fit into everything. But it has become clear now. The listeners helped us figure it out. And oh, uh, I think when we go through this next email and the call after it, we'll have a complete understanding of what's going on. So uh, let's read this next email. It comes from Lori on the internet. And Lori says, okay, the patient's name was Joan, and she was claimed by Gorman to rape. Joan tried to escape and was bitten by a rotter. Joan was hoping that by refusing the anesthetic, no operation would be performed and she would be allowed to die. By cutting off her arm, she would live, and Gorman would continue to procure her services in order to repay her debt. This is why Joan commits suicide later, and purposely within Dawn's office, because Dawn is in charge and is aware of everything. Dawn is essentially a pimp. Beth sees a policeman come out of the second woman's room. When Beth looks at the woman, the lady shuts the door. It is obvious that the officer was rendering services from this lady, too. Uh, Gorman made one specific statement regarding Beth. After forcing the sucker in Beth's mouth, he says to Dr. Stephen Edwards, the girl should have been mine. This idea, combined with the way the doctor treated Beth throughout the episode, makes me think uh, Dr. Edwards has claimed Beth. He was showing Beth preferential treatment, giving her food, access to drugs, equipment, and intervening on her behalf with Gorman and Don. So what's hmm. what's going on here is that Don is in charge. She's yep. bringing young women into uh, the hospital. And young men. And young men, I suppose. Yep. And making them work off their debt, as we know. But in the case of the women, one of that one of those things is that she is turning a blind eye, or even actively encouraging um, the male police officers to have their way with these young women to keep them happy. Dawn is basically keeping herself in charge by providing, uh, you know, young women for these men to rape. So is it just sex trafficking and and rape, or is it a baby factory to repopulate the earth? No, I don't think there's any baby factory going on here. Um, we we would have had some pregnant people in this in this uh, place. I think it's just these the, this group of police officers or men in the hospital are um, not very good human beings. I think, and they are willingly participating in this this organized rape scenario basically yeah and i think joan's story is exactly as as laurie outlined it here joan was involved in this she tried to escape but was brought back and she wanted to die because she had got bitten by a zombie now maybe she didn't even try to escape maybe she just ran downstairs and purposely let herself get bit thinking that'll be the end of it and she'll be yeah. you know this torture will be over um but they brought her back saved her and that's why she killed herself because that was really her only her only recourse at that point. And it, it all comes together when, when it's framed like that. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That's a, that's a good explanation. And, and we have uh, a call, Eric from Frederick, Fredericton, uh, reinforcing Laurie's explanation. Yeah. Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Eric calling from uh, Fredericton, Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, the reason I'm calling is in regards to the question you guys had for when, uh, Joan said that, uh, to Don that she can control them. Uh, if you look at the episode, the hospital looks like it relies on uh, death to be paid by services. Um, it looks like se sexual services are part of how the debt is being paid off. Uh, might have been where the guards might have taken advantage of that. 
you can look at it in the reference to the first scene in the episode where Beth is walking down the hall. There's a guard coming out of a room. She picks in, and there's a girl patient who closes the door. Uh, when Joan is brought in, uh, it looks like she tried to escape from all this abuse. Uh, she tells Don and uh, Gore, I think his name is Gorman, to go screw himself. He gets really upset about that, almost like he's going to hit her to show him, uh, show her who's the boss. And this is where I think the the, the phrase "you can control them" has is in reference to the guards. And also in the later scene with Beth, when she says that it's easier to make a deal with the devil when you're not the one paying the price, it's on in relation to the abuse going on. Uh, in regards to the episode itself, I believe I strongly believe in what you guys said. I think it would have been better if it, if we would have cut in some of the scenes with the, what was going on with Daryl and Carol. Anyway, after five seasons, podcast is still great. Uh, continue your work. Uh, have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much, Eric. So he brought up the scene, um, yeah, the, the you make a deal with the devil, but um, what is it? You don't have the, the consequences, right? Uh, it's because yeah. Dawn is allowing this to happen to everyone but herself, essentially. Right. Um, and, sh- you know, she doesn't have to undergo this sort of torture, um, but all these other poor women do. Um, and, uh, and that's what Gorman was referring to after the lollipop scene, when he says, uh, when he says, you know, you're in control now, you can control them, you can control all these men because you're providing what they want, basically, but that will only last so long, especially if, uh, Gorman doesn't, you know, get women or girls that he wants when they bring them in. It's pretty sick, really. Yeah, it really is. Um, I hope they all burn. And the whole idea, the whole idea of Glenn, um, Glenn, um, Beth be belonging to Dr. Edwards sort of fits into this. He's, you know, he's the one semi-decent guy here that we, we saw anyways. You know, Beth, her purpose may be have been to satisfy him in those ways, but he doesn't act on it. He he right. uses her in other ways, which are, are bad, but, he you know, Beth doesn't have to undergo or have to be raped. To to in it be, be she's lucky I guess to have been stuck with him in some ways. Yet I mean it, it, you well, know it might be an ongoing process for uh, for for the doctor you know he might you know take things slow. He likes to get to know his victims before he rapes them. Yeah, he used to likes maybe he likes to manipulate or manipulate them rather than out and out you know lollipop rape them. Well, he he seems to like to do that. Hopefully, it doesn't lead to actual rape. We will see. Yeah. Uh, okay, Amy, I'm, in, I'm next, right? Yep. Amy is next. Amy from Colorado writes, My sweet and favorite Canadian podcasters. Oh. You did not pick up on Beth's purpose. Dawn oh. is using the women as sex for her officers. What a wicked woman. I bet Dawn's final demise will be very satisfying for the viewer. Yeah, that, I, I hope so too. I fully agree with that, and I mostly wanted to read that because she called us sweet and her favorite Canadian podcasters. Thank you, Amy. That's very nice of you. Thank you, Amy. All right, next we have an email from Matt in South Wales. Matt says, All I mulled this episode, as I mulled this episode over whilst pretending to do my job, I came to realize that maybe it was necessary to slow things down a little and put a different perspective on things. Thus far, this series, and by series he means season, the episode episodes have been at a hectic pace. Although I have loved this, I was almost it was almost too much of a treat. Slab City touched on a new aspect of the series, i.e. not everybody in Walker World is running around the woods eating badgers, or bobs, and that, <laughs> and that if there were a, a true scenario, there would be other groups 
doing what they thought was right, or just doing like Woodbury, the prison, the farm, and even groups such as the Wild Dogs and Mental Morgan. Old Don is trying to keep things at a low level, therefore assigning jobs, boring or not, to keep the people occupied and closer to the old world of routine work and responsibilities. That said, what a cowbag. <laughs> She's such a cowbag. I yeah, I can I can infer what cowbag means in this context, but I've not heard that phrase before. It's a good one. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Thank you, Matt. Our next email comes from friend of the show Adam, who is in Texas. And he writes, to quote Emil M. Antonovsky, I like it. Wow, what a great episode. Makes me wish it was the start of a new series with Beth as the main character. I love how strong she has become while still being somewhat understated. I also like the setting, which bugged me the first time I watched it, but not as much the second time. The more I thought about it, a hospital could be a realistic long-term holdout. What do you think about that idea, living in a hospital in the zombie apocalypse? I think that that's not a bad idea. I mean, hospitals have resources, right? Like gauze and generators you know, and things like that. Generate, yeah, lots of uh, lots of generators, lots of uh, lots of facilities, beds, mm-hmm. comfy beds, lots of sheets. You know, maybe some clean sheets, clean clothes. Well, they have medicine. They have all kinds of stuff you need: medicine, laundry facilities, uh, generators. I said uh, stocks of food. Maybe not great food, but it's there. I think a hospital's not a terrible place to hole up if you can. Yeah, and uh, if it's a hospital in Canada, chances are there's a Tim Hortons in it. So that's okay, too. Because <laughs> everyone in the hospital needs coffee and donuts. Yeah, it's all you know stocked up with freeze-dried coffee, ready to go whenever you're ready to make coffee. Yeah, there's a gift shop in most hospitals, so you never run out of decorative pillows and pencils and uh, you know baby towels and stuff like that. Yeah, Boy. cards. Get well soon cards. And, and and a lot of associated vehicles. Think about all the ambulances that might be parked behind a hospital or things like that. Yeah, that could be uh, could be uh, really, really good. So, uh, Adam, you said that you it, it bugged you the first time you watched it, but uh, not as much the second time. I'm wondering about the third and the fourth times. Huh? Were they uh, as irritating? It probably just got better and better, but he'll have to let us know. You remember, uh, Chris, I think we had this idea a long time ago to come up with a, we were thinking of podcast ideas, and one of the ideas was the 10 times review. We would watch something 10 times and then review it. Um, I vaguely remember recall that? that, yeah. I That's not a bad idea. I don't know if I'd want to watch this episode 10 times, but uh, it's not a bad idea for a podcast where you go, go to a movie or you watch a movie, but you have to watch it 10 times before you review it. The, the only problem I can see with that is Watching the same thing 10 times, especially a movie, it's a pretty big commitment. You're talking about 20 hours or so there for a movie. Yeah. Oh, hey. Anyway, it was just, you know, one of the many ideas that I have for podcasts every now and again. And you're throwing it out there so anyone can pick up that ball and run with it, I guess. I would listen to that podcast. <clears throat> At least once. <laughs> At least once. At least 10 times. Now, one more thing about Adam's email here. If I hadn't written the note after his email that you probably see on your screen right now, would you have known who he was quoting, Emil M. Antonovsky or Antonowski? Not even close. No, but I I didn't either. I had to look it up. It's a character from RoboCop. Still got nothing. Yeah, I know. It, it was the character was played by uh, Paul McCrane, who's been around. He's been in some stuff. Probably a little bit of a character actor, but I I didn't know him either. So let's uh, say right. uh, well, that is quite the reference there, Adam. Thank you for that. All right, I'm gonna go and watch RoboCop ten times before uh, before Monday. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Next, is it me or you oh. now? 
It, it's it's uh, you read that one, friend of the show, Adam. So it's me. So uh, we have an email from Kelly on the internet. With this episode, I think the writers were trying to play to the fans' perceptions of Beth. Fans have uh, commented on Beth being weak and a burden to the group. I don't doubt that some have even wanted to give her a good slap. So when the show echoes that back to us through Dawn, I think the writers thought we would love it and that the fans would uh, create gif after gif, uh, like when they did when Tyrion slapped Joffrey on Game of Thrones, which was awesome. But Beth isn't Joffrey. We don't love to hate her. We want her uh, want her to do the best. Uh, sorry, we want her to be the best badass she can be. But when she isn't, we could not care less. That is a, an interesting point. Um, do we not care about Beth when she's sort of in the background? Um, and could you say that about all the characters in a way? Well, I don't know. No, I don't I, think I, so. I do, I do know that I I really liked it when Tyrion slapped Joffrey. Yeah. That was awesome. That was very cool. Uh, I love that show, Game of Thrones. Hopefully it comes back okay. soon. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting idea that that uh, a character who no one really has an enormous attachment to. I know there are people out there who who think Beth is great. I'm one of them. I've always liked Beth's character. But, you, but it's hard to see how anyone would have the same sort of emotional connection as you would with Rick or... Um, or Glenn or Maggie, possibly, or or Daryl, you know, because they've just been so much more in the forefront for seasons now. Beth has kind of been hanging around, doing her thing, you know, been an important part at times, but never really come to the front and uh, had her moment to shine until now. And it's tough to latch on to that. I think the longer they go with the character without bringing them to the forefront, the harder it is to deal with it when they do. Right. So does that mean they're going to kill her off? It may bring her to the front and uh, make you care about her a little bit and then uh, get her dead. You know, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's been a pattern uh, to a degree in the past seasons. But you know what I realized about season five? What's that? They're bringing, they brought Carol to the forefront. They've given her a big hero episode. They've done it with Beth now. They're doing it with multiple characters. Maybe they're going to do it with a bunch, set them all up, and then we don't know which domino is going to fall. Yeah. Instead of fight, you know, instead of have Herschel with his big episode, then Herschel dies, and then have someone else with a big episode, then they die. We have a whole bunch of big episodes, and then somebody dies. I like that idea better. Yeah, that could be good. All right. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for that. Our next email is Josh from Brisbane, Australia. After seeing the preview from last week, I had a feeling it would be a standalone episode with Beth, similar to the Governor's episode from season four, where he was wandering around aimlessly. There was so much extra pointless stuff in the episode to stretch it out into a full episode. I have a feeling they did. Uh, they need to do it once or twice a season to keep costs down. I agree with Jason in that it felt like the B team were brought in to make this episode. It just felt like it dragged on. Um, for me, the idea of doing this to keep costs down, I know shows do that occasionally. They allocate budget differently and they... You know, they, they, one episode might not have the same budget as another episode. Breaking Bad used to do this, but Breaking Bad seemed to find a way to do it without everyone crying about how terrible the episode was. Um, so if that's the reason that we get episodes like this occasionally, um, I, I don't think it's an excuse, right? 
no, it's it's not good. It's not it's not a great way to allocate budget if you're uh, skimping here in order to have something big and fanciful somewhere else. You know, first of all, it's too bad that that has to happen at all, considering this is the highest rated show on TV. You'd think they would be happy to throw money at it because they're clearly making bucket loads of it back. Um, but with Breaking Bad, I was thinking of that episode, The Fly. Do you remember that one? I do. And uh, Walter White was stuck in the um, in the kitchen or the cooking lab the whole time trying yep. to catch a fly that was in there because the fly was contaminating the, the lab. It wasn't supposed to be there. And that was a budgetary episode done, one location, one actor, and a fly so that they could allocate money later on in the season for something else. Um, but that was done very interestingly, right? They, they, you know, they sat down, they said, okay, what can we do? It's like, man, let's have, you know, and, and, and Brian Cranston can pull that kind of thing off. Brian Cranston in a room with a fly mm-hmm. for 40 minutes. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, this didn't, uh, didn't have that kind of in- interesting aspect to it. Well, that was my point that I, I, it can be done well. If the, if indeed that's what's going on here, it obviously can be done really well. Um, they might as well have had a flashback episode where she goes into a dream state and uh, flashes back to all her scenes in previous seasons. <laughs> this episode, 10% new footage. Exactly. <laughs> Let's hope that never happens, man. I don't think that'll ever happen in TV again. They're not dumb enough to do that again. Star Trek was it. That was the last time it happened. Right. A clip, as far as I a know. clip show. A Walking Dead yeah. clips show. Oh, my God. That'd be the worst. <laughs> that'd, that'd be pretty bad. <laughs> All right. Next, we have an email from Patience on the Internet. I, admiss, uh, I must admit... I'm a fan of Beth. I admit. She's sorry. I admit. She's grown and changed so much since her meltdown on the farm. In my opinion, you couldn't be more wrong about why this episode is so bad. I think Beth has grown and changed as a character so much that they had an opportunity to do a lot with this. I wanted to see her show us how much she's learned from Daryl and the other badasses in the group. Yeah, and I think they did a little bit of that. I don't know. I don't know if I agree that this really showed us um that much about you know how badass she has become but at least she's taking charge and not letting people do to her things and she's you know and just taking it and that's it that's true right come on and she's good at the headshot now she's uh she's yeah she's she's perfected the headshot the cast arm pitch black headshot that is quite a skill it is okay good on her Chris on the internet writes, as I watched the episode, something intrigued me. The cut on Beth's face when she wakes up uh, in the hospital. How did it get there? It can't have been a zombie scratch. Beth claims that she was fighting a walker and everything went black. If the zombie knocked her out or she hit her head somehow, I think the walkers would have gotten her. My theory is that creepy report filing Gorman was a, saw a pretty young woman and knocked her out to take her back with him to be his new pet. Maybe with a hard knock to the face from some sort of melee weapon or a rifle. I just feel like if Gorman found her knocked out, she wouldn't still be with us. That's true. Yeah. This is very, that, that's a very caveman theory. When the cavemen just kind of bonked women on the head and dragged them back to their cave by their hair? Well, if you've been watching uh, Flintstones, maybe. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a caveman trope, I think. Yeah. Where, uh, that's how cavemen got their women. So uh, maybe Gorman, that's how he gets his uh, gets his women. He 
but you know, maybe he, he, you know, he bonked her in the head and he threw her in the back of the car and drove her back here. And then she got allocated to somebody else. That must've just pissed him off. I think that's, so a- that's why, uh, he, he gave her the lollipop and then, uh, gave her the sucker. I think it, it might've been him that gave her the sucker and then, uh, and then used it to creep her out. Really? Like, why would you do that? I don't understand. No, I think it didn't, it wasn't it Noah that gave her the, the lollipop. They talked about yeah, it. Yeah, it was Noah. You're right. Right. All right. Uh, anyways, I do think this is exactly what happened. Gorman was out there. He found her, he knocked her out, brought her in, and then she was allocated to somebody else. And that's why he was so mad. Yeah. One of the I reasons think- anyways. Uh, yeah. So next we have a call from Eric in Roseburg, Oregon. Hey guys, I have a holy crap. Did you hear that moment? When Beth was in her room at the hospital after Don had slapped her wound for the first time, Dr. Edwards had a clean shirt for her to change into. Beth looked at the, at the shirt that she had on and she noticed that there was blood on it. And she said, well, why do I need to change it? So the good doctor replies with, she likes things neat in reference to Don. Later on, Don mentioned that a lot of people came to her rescue that night, uh, that she was brought to the hospital. She also said that the people that couldn't make it in this world shouldn't take advantage of the ones that can. That's when it hit me. The car that took Beth had a white cross on the back window. It wasn't a Christian cross, but it was a medical cross. Later in the episode, when she and Noah made a break for it, we see multiple cars parked there with the same white cross. So... Bringing it back to the neatness comment made by, by Dr. Edwards, the house Beth and Daryl were in was organized very meticulously. Everything was neat and orderly, just like Don likes it. Also, Daryl and Beth had helped themselves to room and board for a couple of days, something that should be earned, according to Don. You owe for what you take. So I went back and looked at the scenes in the season four episode alone, but I didn't see anything in the house that linked back to Don except its immaculate condition. I am convinced that the house is connected to Don somehow, whether it's a fallback house, a trap house, or whatever. I'm not sure. One thing is for certain, though. It looks like Don's trying to create a police state in which the people brought to the hospital will never be able to pay off their debts of servitude. Anyway, just let me know what you think. Oh, and uh, one more nice touch. The gunman on the rooftop of the hospital. Hey, love the show, guys. Love you guys. Keep it up. We'll wrap at you next week. Very good, Eric. We'll wrap at you next week too. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think you mentioned uh, last week, or yeah, I'm all confused. Monday. Last time on Monday, that that house could have been sort of a honey trap, right? A honey pot. Yeah, I think so. I, I that's the impression I got, but uh, you know, I have nothing to back that up. The only thing about that theory, and I like that theory, is that it, it does make it easier for them to find people. If there are people traveling around, why wouldn't they stay in a nice, you know, organized, safe house for a little while? And then be taken, but I feel like it's too far out from Atlanta. But then they're clearly driving around this area, and maybe they're not as far from Atlanta as as we think. So I don't know. Maybe they have uh, you know fifty or sixty of these houses spread around all over Hell's Half Acre, and they just kind of do their tour. It's on their uh, uh, their trap line. Yeah, that's that's what they could be doing. They've got a, a route that they take, and they just check on the house. If anyone's there, they surveil it for a couple of days, send the dog in to make sure everybody's okay, and then uh, fish them out or or smoke them out and take throw them in the car. Yep. All righty. Good plan. Uh, next call comes from Chuck in Chesapeake. Chris and Jason, this is Chuck from Chesapeake, Virginia. And uh, I'm calling to tell you about amputations using a wire. As I recall, uh, Jason had questioned about, isn't there some better implement 
to uh, to be able to cut, uh, such as a bone saw uh, or a knife. Well, I was sitting in my doctor's waiting room, uh, waiting to be seen when I was listening to this, so I thought I would ask my doctor. And uh, he said that yes, when he was an intern and uh, he had to do an amputation, he used the wire to do the amputation. And uh, apparently it is serrated, and so it cuts very, very quickly. And he said that it is uh, preferable to use the wire rather than a bone saw inside of an operating uh, theater because there's, uh, it doesn't take as much room. You don't have to say, oh, you stand here, you stand here as they start to saw and necessarily hit anything. So uh, yes, yes indeed. Uh, he, he was a big fan of the show, knew exactly the scene that I was talking about. I even asked him about uh, uh, using the hatchet on poor Herschel's leg and, and, you know, what would they do with the blood vessels? And he just said, matter-of-factly, well, they'd, they'd just cauterize it, and that would be that. So, anyways, uh, sorry y'all didn't like episode four, Slabtown, as much as I did. I thought it was a good good episode. Uh, definitely uh, a different pace from the uh, the first three but uh, as far as expanding the world and getting a chance to see uh, what is going on outside of uh, our main group, I thought it was pretty entertaining. So uh, look forward to hearing the, the feedback and uh, talk to y'all later. Bye. Thank you, Chuck. So there you go. That's awesome. I, yeah, I stand corrected, I guess. And that's, uh, that's a really good point in, in that uh, having a big saw means you have to have uh, enough space to use that saw. And if you're cutting something that is close to something else, you don't want to have to cut that something else in order to get the thing off, whatever you you mean to cut. So, you know, a big two-man saw is probably not your best option. And I and I just think that uh, Chuck, you know, what what uh, what luck that he was listening while sitting about yeah. in his doctor's office about to go in. And uh, um, I'd just like to say thank you to his doctor for answering our questions and enlightening us. Yeah, that that would that was fascinating. That was really good. I really like that. Good stuff. All right, next we have an email from uh, Darcy in Janjuk, Australia, and mm-hmm. uh, we got a pro, uh, you know, a proper pronunciation for that is Janjuk, which rhymes with duck. So uh, that's good to know. I've got the biggest holy crap! Did you see that? I ever had. I realized that in every episode of season four. Whenever we see a clock or a watch in the show, the hands point to the season and the episode that is currently playing. Just watch the first bit of 504 and pay attention to the clock. And in other episodes of season four, I've noticed a similar pattern. Yep, this is a thing that they do. Um, this is not the first I have heard of this. Sorry, Darcy, but it is a big holy crap if, if you know you just noticed it yourself. I uh, didn't know that. That's a holy crap. Totally, totally is. Uh, but I believe Nicotero has has mentioned that before in interviews that anytime there's a clock, they put the hands pointing towards the episode number because how else would you know what episode number it is? You need clocks on screen to tell you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Darcy. Then this next email is Gemma in Wales, and uh, Gemma says, "What struck me was how much how much Beth waking up in the hospital was like Rick waking up in the first episode. They both wake up disoriented in a dangerous world." This got me thinking back to the season four finale when Rick puts the sheriff's hat on Beth. Are they suggesting that Beth is the new Rick or a character on the same path as Rick? Beth has always been a background character and someone to be underestimated, 
Even the characters in this episode underestimate her, and they don't know who she is. Beth is becoming a very formidable character and someone I hope they're bringing to the forefront as a strong, leading lady. So this leads us to the new spinoff series theory, right? Yeah. It's called Beth E.R. <laughs> she, she, she's going to be working in the hospital, you know. No, she might take off with, uh, you know, she might find Noah later on and they uh, start their own band of intrepid heroes that travel the world doing uh, laundry. Why laundry? Well, because that's what Noah was doing. He oh. was doing laundry and ironing all the time. So that's true. I figure, you know, he, they started the character with that. So just uh, keep going, you know, make the world a cleaner place. Why not? It's awfully dirty right now, so why not clean it up a little? I do like the idea, though, that all the stuff with Beth and wearing the hat and, you know, it's all sort of connected. And, and the reference to her being a new sheriff in town, and then she wakes up in a hospital bed just like the sheriff did in the first episode. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't believe that that's all just accidental. So good on the writers and everybody for tying it all together like that. Maybe maybe it isn't so hard, like I said earlier. <laughs> this is easy stuff. Yeah. So uh, we just had an email from Gemma in Wales, and now we have Anna in Wales. Maybe they know each other. Maybe. I'm not I'm not sure about the scattergun approach that this Series 5 is taking. There are too many baddies, too many storylines, and too many characters we're not engaged with. Basically, a lack of focus. I much prefer Series 2 when the emphasis was on character development and the interplay between characters rather than having a big daddy, continual outside threat, and explosive set pieces. I hope this series manages to pull it all together in future episodes. They need to kill off more of the extraneous characters. Beth, Sasha, Tyrese, Rosita, Tara, for example. Refocus on the attention on the main characters and pick a storyline and stick with it. Either this series needs to be about cannibals or dodgy priests or the quest for Washington or a dodgy hospital in Atlanta. Not all of these things in the first four episodes. I love this program and I really don't, don't want it I really don't want to be disappointed with it. Yeah, so this this brings it all back to our, our first email of the night that uh, it's just too fragmented. There's too many people all over the place and too many storylines. So uh, I kind of agree. And like I said, I would like to see them focus a little bit more on, on what's going on. Yeah, I, and I agree specifically about the uh, the cannibals. I think the uh, uh, that whole storyline where they ate tainted meat was just missed and dropped. Like, we really could have played that out a little bit, really. What's right? the point of having Bob yell that and and then them react to it just to kill them off, like, 10 minutes later? Yeah. Right? All right. Uh, staying in the UK, we've got Brad in Attleboro, England. Brad says, why, oh, why, oh, why must Gimple keep giving Beth her own episodes? Still was one of the worst episodes of the show, and now Slabtown, at least in my opinion, is now the worst. The acting was so wooden, and a lot of the scenes were so unbelievable. Beth getting perfect headshots in the dark with a cast on a hand. Normally for a character, if they were to do that, it'd be badass. But with Beth, she looks so awkward with a gun that the scene just doesn't work one bit. Oh, that's pretty definitive. That's that's harsh, but uh, not entirely untrue. Uh, but yeah, and I I would sort of agree with that. Uh, so next we have Chloe in the UK. I may be wrong, but I thought I recognized the name Hanson this week in this week's episode. I'm fairly sure that Hanson that the Hanson guy used to work with Rick before the outbreak. 
I thought it was interesting, if this is the case, to see what Rick's old colleagues have been doing since we last saw him. That's right. And it looks like you did some research on this. I checked. I went to the Walking Dead wiki, which is a great source for characters and information on the Walking Dead. And I looked up Rick's co-workers in the pilot, and they were Officer Lambert Kendall and Officer Leon Bassett. And I think Leon Bassett ended up being the guy that Rick shot through the fence um, right. in the first episode. Uh, and I, I, I searched for Hanson, and the only reference to Hanson I could find was in this episode, Slabtown. So I'm not sure Hanson has ever appeared before, but, uh, you know, they're, they're cops. They're in Atlanta. Rick was um, not in Atlanta. He was not an Atlanta police officer, but, you know. No, he was not. Cops all know each other, so they probably hung out and had beers once in a while. That's probably true. That's what I'm going to go with. Yep. All right, Claudia on the internet says, Hi, Jason. Beth has been 17 years old for the last three years at least. Ha ha, the apocalypse keeps you young. Sure does. I guess she's 20 now. Can we go ahead with that? Uh, if she's been on the show since she was 17 and... But but it's not it's not real life time passing. It's how much show time has passed. All right, so let's give her 18, maybe 19. I'd say she's 19, yeah. All right, so she can vote and drink in Canada. Correct. All right, not in the States though. She can vote, but not drink, I think. That's right. Oh, I don't know. The voting age in the state states might be different from state to state. No, it's 18. If... No, I don't think so. Okay. What, what do I know? I don't know. I think it's 18 uh, nationally. It is in Canada, right? <laughs> God, why do, we, why do we even talk about these things? It is in Canada. Yeah. I'm pretty... Unless you're in the military, then you can... Uh, if you're in the reserves, I think you can vote at 17. I'm pretty sure, yes, it's it's federally 18 in Canada, and drinking is province to province, but Ontario, it's 19. Yeah. And the lucky folks in Quebec can get drunk when they're 18. That's right. <laughs> All right, so next we have Ian in Ottawa, which is in Canada. When Beth and Officer Don uh, were back in Don's office, uh, where Gorman and Joan were lay laying out, there were three bodies on the floor, not just two. What happened for the third cop to get killed and, and well eaten? What did we miss? So I went back and looked. There sure are three bodies on that floor. One of them is there Joan. There are. Yep. One of them was Joan. One of them was Gorman. And then there was this other dude with no stomach. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what we hell? missed. It's it's kind of weird. It's uh, you know, did okay. Here's here's what I think. Did Joan after Beth left the office with the key, and we had that yep. scene where Joan asks her, "Is everything okay?" Yep. Joan and she says, "Joan's in your office. Go go look for her." So uh, Don, with another police officer, maybe went into the yes. office, and then somebody had an accident. Right. So that, that's what I think, is that uh, you are right. Uh, Don was with another police officer, a tall man, who was taller than her and taller than Beth, taller than everybody else in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And I think that that guy is the guy lying on the floor disemboweled. Okay. So he he went in there with her, got involved with Joan maybe, and it didn't end well for him. Yeah. Or Don was just so mad that she killed the dude and left him there to get eaten for a little while. Or maybe she, you know, she helped disembowel him. Maybe she uh, said, uh, I'm so mad. Because she did that before. She was mad at the doctor, so she slapped Beth. So maybe she's mad at Beth now. So she uh, she stabbed that guy in the belly, ripped him open, and said, okay, Joan, 
Have at him. I feel better now, now that I've done yeah, that. Yeah, I feel better now. I, you know, she really does take, take it out on other people whenever she, uh, you know, she's really bad at not punishing who she's mad at. That's true. That's true. But, uh, you know, she doesn't want to upset the balance, right? She's keeping, she's keeping these men happy, as we've already discussed. So if she starts going around slapping people, you know, that's not going to keep them happy. So why not slap the help instead? Wow. I can't remember the last time I slapped anybody. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever done it either. I hit someone with a baseball glove once, but that's kind of a wimpy move on my part. <laughs> I think I may have slapped a friend in grade school because we were taking turns slapping each other just to see. Because we were in grade school, like, what do you, what are you, what are you going to do when you're in grade five? You, you know, going to go hang out with a friend and uh, have a slap fight. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can see. I've seen that happen in the playground. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> Marty, where are you now? Oh, God, probably out there slapping his friends. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he's all grown up like I am and hasn't slapped anybody since. Oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right, Bernie in London, UK writes, I love slapping people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he writes, I agree that this episode was boring, but I think it was done not to show how Beth is struggling, but more to show how Dawn and her gang lives and what rules and code they live by. It would be hard to explain uh, what they are paying the debt before you can leave without going into these boring scenes. So like Chris said, this was done because more big things are coming related to this gang. So what what's happening is we're paying into the storyline and hopefully it'll pay dividends later on. Correct. Exactly. It's a very, for me, it was a very high price so far. Well, but... Better pay off big. Yeah, it could pay off big. I mean, the higher the price, the bigger the payoff. That's what they say. Yeah, that's uh, th- that's the same thing uh, when you go to a casino, right? Correct. Yeah, the more you put in, the more money you'll eventually make. That's what they want you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way it works. All right. Speaking of which, uh, the next we have a call from Chris in Las Vegas. Here we go. Hey, guys, this is Chris in Las Vegas, and I just wanted to let you guys know what my opinion might be for the uh, next episode or possibly the one afterwards. I think when Noah was escaping, there's a very good chance that Daryl and Carol may have actually been in the woods and may have even seen him get away or bumped into him very shortly afterwards. And he may have even explained, he probably explains to them what's going on. And after they ask the description of maybe his best inside, he gets, he gives them a perfect description. So Carol decides, all right, well, if they're more inclined to take women over men, I'll just go ahead and play dead next to the road somewhere and they'll pick me up, take me inside and we'll play it from there. <laughs> That's uh, that, that makes sense to me anyways, but uh, yeah, keep up the good work guys. Uh, bye. All right. Thanks, Chris. Let's move right into our call from our, our last call of the night for uh, from Pam in Australia. And then we'll talk about this, this whole idea of, of Carol going into the, into the hospital. Hi, Chris and Jason. It's Pam from Australia. I have a theory about what's going on in the hospital. We know that uh, Daryl and Carol were following the uh, hospital car. I believe that they've probably been surveilling the hospital to understand the lay of the land for a while. It's quite possible that they witnessed what happened with Noah and Beth. I believe that Daryl has taken Noah back to the church with him. That was who he was emerging from the bushes with. And that Carol is staging injuries in order to be able to get into the hospital and infiltrate. 
The best thing that Beth can do right now is not reveal her relationship with Carol because I think that will really confront Dawn and she may react really badly. Thanks, guys. Listening to you again soon. like to hear your thoughts on this. All right. Thank you, Chris and Pam. So both of them were getting at the idea here that Carol is being taken into that hospital on purpose um, or at least of some way of her own doing. She wants to get taken in there, not because they, you know, somebody came out, found her and took her in. Um, and the idea here is that she's going in so that Daryl and her saw what was going on. They figured out uh, Beth was in there or or at least when when Noah came running out, they spoke to him. He told them what was going on. And then Carol said, all right, Daryl, you go back and get help. And I'm going to get into there so we have a man on the inside who can who can work things from from the inside and give us the advantage. I believe uh, that that's a true fact. I think that's exactly what's going on. Carol is basically a Trojan horse. Yeah, she's uh, hopefully not because then some something is hiding inside of her. <laughs> right. But, uh, she she is uh, undercover. Let's say she's going in undercover and she's a sleeper agent. I don't know what the analogy would be, but uh, she's in there on purpose in order to do some stuff. And I think Daryl's going to show up back at the camp with Noah. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what's going to happen is, you know, come on out and he's going to say, hi, I'm Noah. I'm here to do your laundry. I know Beth. <laughs> I'm here to mop the floor. You, you guys need a church cleaned up. I can do that. I can, I can do that. I'm good at ironing. Yeah. Uh, I can do your laundry. If you want, uh, you know, stuff pressed, I'm good at that. Where's your, where's your iron? Uh, yeah. You know, similar to what I would do in a zombie apocalypse, because I think that would be my, uh, you know, mostly I work on computers, which are completely useless. But uh, other than that, I'm really good at ironing. So I think that that's a really marketable skill. And I'm glad that that's come up in this, uh, in this show. So uh, that proves that uh, maybe I'll have some value in the apocalypse. Good. You need something right. ironed? Go to your house. Yeah. Um, anyways, what I like about this is there's a plan. Uh, things, things are happening. Like, I don't think Daryl's really happy about it because, you know, he had to leave Carol. He had to, you know, leave her alone uh, amongst the enemy basically. And, Mm -hmm. and then take a stranger back to the group and say, guys, we got another problem. (laughs) You know, we, we just got out of Terminus where people weren't very nice. Well, we found some more people that aren't very nice. They have Beth and now they have Carol. I suppose it's possible that Carol was taken against her will. And, you know, it, it does fit with the idea that, first of all, they take in women, and second of all, they take potentially the weaker of the two if they perceive Daryl as being the strong one. Um, but I, I just like the idea that Carol is so cool and such a badass that she's like, I got to get in there and infiltrate from the inside. Oh, yeah. Carol's, uh, I, I totally think that uh, she's a machine now, right? Especially if she can get her hands on her uh, her stabby knuckles device that she has, the brass knuckles and the knife all combined into one. Mm-hmm. If she can get, uh, I'm sure she has that on her or had it on her and therefore will be in the building somewhere. And then she's going to get a hold of that. And, uh, she's going to, uh, she's going to start taking some names and kicking some ass. Totally. Now I'm, I don't have the episode in front of me, but when she was lying on that hospital gurney, was she beat up? Like, was she bruised? Was she, was she, did she look like she'd taken a beating in any way or was she just unconscious? I'm going to go to the tape. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do have it 
here somewhere because I I think if I remember correctly I do think she she was and and it would make sense that I mean it sort of would make sense that she might have uh, you know struggled or whatever if if she was taken in um, but if if this whole thing is a ruse like I can just see a scene where her and Daryl are talking about this and she's saying Daryl I got to get in there how are we gonna do that you know punch me beat me up, hit me. And Daryl doesn't want to do that, of course. Think about how difficult a scene that would be for Daryl and probably for Norman Reedus to be like, I got to beat up my friend. I got to beat up Carol so she can be authentic when she's going into this uh, into this this hospital of doom, right? She's got, uh, she looks beat up. She's got scrapes and bruises, mm-hmm. but nothing looks overly prominent and nothing looks overly fresh. So she might just be, uh, you know, have all these scrapes and bruises from, uh, you know, mucking about doing, doing her thing. Sure. You know, killing little girls and, uh, murdering all kinds of whatever and blowing shit up. Blowing up propane tanks. Yeah. So she looks like, actually, she kind of looks like she just fell asleep. Hmm. She's dirty and a little beat up, but there's nothing, like, she doesn't have any huge bruises. She doesn't have any big cuts like Beth has, um... Or the other lady had, uh, Joan had when she was take, brought back in. So, uh, you know, maybe she got knocked on the back of the head. She doesn't have any bandages or anything like that. It looks like, uh, hey, we found this sleeping lady outside. Let's bring her in and see what's going on. But see, maybe that could be it. Like maybe if, I mean, Beth was was call, call, uh, knocked out and, and cut badly, um, Maybe if Daryl's the one who had to to beat up Carol to sort of make it seem real, he w- he'd hold back. He wouldn't want to really hurt her, right? So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think it's a great theory. I think uh, this is exactly what's going to happen, and I can't wait to see how this all plays out because I think a a coordinated and I was talking about this on on Monday that how this was all sort of leading to some really cool stuff, and I think a coordinated assault on the hospital by our band of heroes could be a really, really cool, awesome action set piece, the likes of which we have never seen on this show. You think so? I think so. I mean, it could be well, stupid and lame, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, hopefully we don't get the uh, the governor uh, shooting all of the uh, the military people with them falling over like John Woo, a John Woo action film, and even <laughs> well, the doves being released and whatever. Hopefully, we don't get that again. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But I think uh, you could be right that it could be a, a neat, you know, takeover. You know, if if our intrepid heroes are good at anything, it's uh, infiltration. It's it's going into a building and taking out any threats that are in there. So we might get uh, we might get SWAT team going in there. Well, and I hope that's kind of what what it is. Like, I don't want this to be the same thing where they roll up. And Rick gets out of a out of a truck and is talking to Don through the fence and trying to negotiate their way in or negotiate to get their people back. I don't want to see that again. I've seen that. What I want to see is I want to see this group pl- have a plan of attack, put together a plan, try to know exactly what they're going to do, and then execute it. And, you know, it may go well, it may not go well, um, but I'd like to see them attempt that kind of thing. Because we've seen it on a really small scale, like when they went into that house at the beginning of season two or three, 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 you know, that was quick. It was the cold open. They cleared out a house. It was done. If we get, you know, a half an episode or even a whole episode of watching this plan be executed and come to fruition, I think that would be really cool. And maybe that'll be 
the mid-season finale. That's only four episodes away from now, right? It could be. We could have... I hope it doesn't last that long. I hope we get some... uh hope we get closure before then. Well, I don't know, man. I think the next episode is going to focus on Abraham and what they're doing. Then we yep. only have three episodes. Then we have... And one of those has to be an episode of planning. And then another episode in there of maybe something else. Uh, who knows? I think we could easily draw this out for to the mid-season. And I don't even think that's all that unreasonable. That's only four episodes. Um, yeah, it could very well could be. You know, we start fast. We have a little dip now in the pace. And now we get a more even pace towards the mid-season finale. And then after that, they're on the road to Washington, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, I don't know. I think this sets up a kind of a cool or the possibility for a really fun second half of the first half. <laughs> The second half of the first half would be great. That would be the second quarter <laughs> of the season. I think. I yeah. think you know. I think we could be in for something cool here. Hopefully, I am right. Um, but who knows where it's going to go? Every time I try to predict something, at least out loud, it uh, doesn't always turn out that way. Well, that's true for any of us, really. It sure is. Uh, we got one more. Do you want to read it or me? Yeah. No, I'll go ahead. It's Dave in Coventry, UK. Is it just me? Uh, or who thinks this is this hospital is the Hotel California? You can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Yes, you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. That is, of course, a lyric from the popular song Hotel California. And I think Dave in Coventry, UK, has hit it right on the head here. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nail head hitter right there. In fact, if somebody on this show doesn't call the hospital Hotel California, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, Noah left. Yeah, that's right. He can say, your friend Beth is stuck in Hotel California. We got to do something about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and if Sawyer was on the show, that would have happened already. Yeah, probably. All right. That is it for the feedback. Thank you, everyone, for writing in and calling in this week. If you got any thoughts or opinions, feel free to keep sending them in. Our next podcast, of course, is Monday after, after episode five, which I think is called Self-Help. I'd have to double check that, but I looked at it yesterday, and I'm, if I remember correctly, it's called self-help, so we'll see what that's all about. Um, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can give us a call on the toll-free line. It's one 483 9662 It's a toll-free line, as I said, and uh, it's voicemail only, so you won't have to talk to us live. You just leave your thoughts and comments there, because who would want to do that? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Of course, you can send an email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. For the last week or so, we were having a few problems with the website, and uh, you know, hopefully nobody missed any podcasts. But if you did, please go to talkingdeadpodcast.com now and uh, download those if you'd like. I think all the problems are resolved. Everything seems to be up and running and working for everybody again. Thank you so much to the listeners that helped me figure it all out. I put out a call on Facebook earlier today and said, hey, everybody, something's broken. If anybody, if there's any IT or DNS specialists out there and you want to chime in, <laughs> please feel free. And uh, somebody did. So I appreciate that help, and hopefully everything will be running smoothly for long time to come right now um visit us on patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead to help support the show and of course use our amazon link when you get a chance amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and one more thing which i haven't mentioned in a long time is that it would be really great if you go to itunes and leave us reviews and ratings there 
we don't oh, have yeah yeah we we used to talk about that a lot but we haven't really done that in a long ass time so uh that is a good way to you know keep us in the eyes of itunes and get us put on the front page maybe someday that would be really really cool there's not too many reviews in there but uh everyone counts um and uh honest opinions are nice too it's it's always good to get feedback so uh visit us on itunes and leave a review really appreciate that as well Okay, we'll be back on Monday night when we review uh, Recap Self-Help. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.